Welcome to the 2021 Wisconsin Film Festival. My name is Kelly Conway, and I'm the director of the festival, here with director Jean Lawrence, who created the beautiful short experimental film, Descended. Welcome, Jean. Hi, thanks so much for having me. So Jean, you are an assistant professor in the School of Music at UW-Madison. You play and teach the trumpet, and you're also a vocalist. Um, tell me a bit about how you uh, became a filmmaker as well. So I've always been, um, have, have one foot has heavily been in the music world and the other foot has been in the performing arts, focusing at one point a lot on theater. And then I ventured into collaborative arts. So I've worked with dancers, I've worked with um, culinary professionals and mixologists and um visual artists, projection artists, you name it. Um, and so I just want to sort of stretch music and blend it with as many different kinds of art forms as I can. And the pandemic offered an opportunity to dive more deeply into a fully digital piece of art. And we, by we, I mean myself, Maria Finkelmeyer, who is the composer of the Music and Descended and 410 Media, uh, created a film that is based on my great great uncle Lafcadio O'Hearn, but also inspired by a performance art piece that pre-existed the film itself. And it's that piece is um, sort of a multimedia experimental piece. It's 55 minutes long and it combines uh, projection art with the music that you hear in the film and sort of theatrical staging. And so this is sort of uh, an adaptation from that work. It's a beautiful piece. To me, it evokes um, a multimedia installation, an experimental film. It kind of reminds me of the work of Maya Darren, who made that gorgeous short film, Meshes of the Afternoon, among many others, which um, really foregrounded um, a woman's subjectivity. Um, were you inspired by that film? This I was not. Okay. No, I, I actually am going to write that down. I don't, I've never seen it. <laughs> okay, so you're you're already working in in a in a uh, lineage of um, female artists um, creating gorgeous poetic images with a complex soundtrack and and also trying to tell a story about a woman's journey. Now, your film is is very abstract. Um, it's also kind of scary at times there there are almost elements of horror in it right it's, it's kind of a ghost story and there's this moment in which um, these two two children are playing inside a tent and this mysterious woman puts her hand on the outside of the tent and we see it from the children's point of view and it's truly horrifying and beautiful at the same time that that was the goal i'm so glad you said it we wanted we wanted to toe that line between um, the grip of horror, but the beauty and the human experience of horror, uh, because that's what Lafcadio O'Hearn wrote about. Yes, tell me about Lafcadio O'Hearn. So I know very little about him. He he was um, a writer and teacher of Greek Irish origin, but he lived much of his life in Japan. And and you are related to him. Tell us about that. Yeah, so he's a 19th century writer. He was born in 1850. Um, and he, it's really hard to put into a box. So forgive me if I stumble, it's, but um, he was sort of examined marginalized peoples 
and tried to capture the essence of their supernatural spirit worlds. And he was particularly interested in underrepresented demographics because even though he would be considered a white man now at the time as a European of Greek Ionian descent mixed with Irish, he was actually considered um, of mixed race at the time. And so he and then he went through a series of tragedies and traumas in his childhood that put him into this place of escapism through um, the ghostly supernatural. And he was um, so much happened. I, I, I can't even in the short time we have, there's there's no way to cover even a little bit of it. Um, but he ended up becoming fascinated by the morbid um, part of the supernatural, especially the horror, horror and ghost story elements um, within cultures. And he wound up in Japan by the end of his life and ended up, um, he's most remembered for uh, his depictions of the Kaidan, which are ghost stories in Jap Japan. And um, But he also lived in Martinique and he lived in New Orleans and he lived in Cincinnati and all over the globe. And in every place he lived, he documented and devoured uh, the beauties within this ghostly culture that he could find. So in, in for example, in um, New Orleans, he documented uh, the voodoo culture and wrote an obituary for the last standing voodoo queen. And um, so it's so vast what he what he's done, but he's also a in addition to being a sort of meta-folklorist, he was a journalist, and his time in America was spent writing for newspapers and uh, sort of pushing this mission of of representing the underrepresented and um, bringing to the black and white world of the newspapers the beauty under the stones of the typical Western society, because not very many people at the time were doing that in um, I've been devouring all his old articles and he has there's stuff in there from the 1870s that is that's about police brutality and um, his fight against um, the sort of racialization of cities. Uh, so I thought not only was creating a film about him and his artwork and the beauty of his ghostly horror writing essential, it's also really topical because of what he represented and fought for. Absolutely. So from what I've been able to discover, uh, Lafcadio Hearn uh, was known for his collections of, of legends and ghost stories. And so I, I'm assuming that what you have created um, draws upon some of those ghost stories, which he, can you tell us more about the actual texts that you drew upon for your film? Yeah. Um, we drew upon a variety of different kinds of works that he created. Um, we, we pulled five stories or essays or uh, journal entries from his canon and represent those in the film. So we, the, the woman in the film who I play the main character and I go through sort of a series of transitional moments, supernatural, supernatural transitions. Um, and each transition highlights a work of his. So um, there are, there's one like ab, ab, absolute ghost story in its pure form. And you hear that told through the radio. And then actually what's happening in the radio scene, um, that story gets realized in the tent. It's actually, if you listen closely, um, the story in the radio at the beginning is that is that uh, what happens in the tent where a faceless woman scares passersby. Um, 
And then there's a few reflective essays that are Buddhist inflected that we took symbols from, um, as well as a sort of a diary entry from his youth and childhood. And um, he had really poor vision. And so he actually literally saw images, which made him um, as a child, you know, take the, the feeling of um, the reality of ghosts very seriously because he literally saw visions um, due to his myopia. And so uh, we took five stories, wove those through the films, and then used five symbols that thread throughout uh, most of his writings and tried to highlight those symbols in the, in the film as well. Well, you did a beautiful job. It's a film full of gorgeous images of nature, um, a mysterious woman in white uh, underwater. Um, you you have um, just this really mysterious and gorgeous moments where she wakes up in the woods and apparently begins to go on a journey. It's got like distinct segments um, united by the figure of this mysterious woman whom you play. And then, of course, at the end, you you introduce two more um, women in white, uh, and and it appears as if the woman is is then setting off for yet another journey. Um, it's it's a very interesting film in that it's it's abstract, it's poetic, but it has the remnants of narrative, just enough that you you feel that you can understand the story if you try hard enough. How did you conceive of the that kind of fine line that your film walks between being completely abstract? and yet a discernible story? That's a good question. That was really hard to do because um, we were first approaching it as a series of vignettes, but um, we wanted this through line. And so the way we um, conceived of the narrative was we basically put the primary pieces of work that Lafcadio created that we knew we wanted to include in the film and in the music, along with some um, bits and bullet points from his actual life, which was also tragic and horrifying in itself. Um, and we put that on a table and we we're like, what can we do with this? And we just thought that um, creating a scenario where a woman goes through some sort of transitional process and she kind of delves deeper and deeper and deeper into a supernatural space. And then she's sort of churned out on the other side with a feeling of finality, but also a new beginning. Um, because much of what Lafcadio wrote about was uh, the cyclical nature of things and the sort of eternal memory that's inherited in a soul when you're born. And the, the feeling and uh, notion of reincarnation built into the Buddhist philosophies that he was so inspired by. So we tried to capture as much about what he what he really represented as a writer and as a person and his beliefs and his own spiritual journey and tried to push that into one through line arc. Um, and so I guess the, the two main, or there are a few um, sort of streamline elements. One is me as I go through. The other are these recurring symbols. We have eyes, we have a moon, um, and we have mirrors and reflections and shadows. <clears throat> all of all our symbols that he wrote a lot about. Um, and we try to have them come up enough and then sort of uh, distort as we go through the journey. Yes, there are motifs, kind of visual motifs, and also, of course, musical motifs. Um, tell us about this gorgeous soundtrack. It's a mixture of your presumably your own performance um on the trumpet am i right yeah 
Yep. And then it is, is that your voice as well? That the, yep. um, the vocal work is astounding in the film. Tell Thank us, you. tell us about the soundtrack. Um, so we, uh, most of the pieces that you hear in the film were originally created for a performance art piece. And then we went through our own transition as an ensemble, as a unit, as we decided to go into the film land, I, um, I actually created the original score with Masari Studios, but uh, as the pandemic hit and as things changed, I actually just took one person from Masari Studios, Maria Finkelmeyer, and together we took the pieces that she wrote and she wrote two additional pieces and we created it for this film with the, uh, f- the five stories uh, represented in each of the um, pieces. And we recorded it last August in 2020. So we actually, an interesting thing, part about the soundtrack is it's recorded unlike any recording I've ever made, which is we had to do it pseudo remotely. We were never in the same room, almost never in the same room making music together. It was all tracked separately, which was so hard. It's not what music is about, but we had to be really creative with the creation of this film. (laughs) How extraordinary. Yeah, and so the music becomes um, increasingly intense as the film progresses. Um, And uh, there's that amazing moment in which the woman is um, staring at herself in the mirror and uh, the voices become louder and louder and uh, and then everything kind of explodes in a certain way. So I'm I'm presuming that that was kind of meant to be sort of the the climactic moment in, in her own understanding of herself perhaps, but anyway, it's, it's a really extraordinary soundtrack. And I I just want to congratulate you and your collaborators on what must've been a very difficult process. Oh yeah. It took so many hours fitting the music with the imagery and making sure it was perfect was, uh, man, it was quite the adventure. And, um, how did you, how did you actually film this piece? I mean, were you, did you do this pre-COVID? During COVID. So I had to get special permission to travel. Um, Yeah, we we decided that um, we had to change a lot about the film, but we decided to do as much as we could outdoors. Um, The underwater scene was taken in a backyard pool of a family friend. We draped a black tarp into the pool and um, I was just in my white dress jumping in and floundering around and you know the this behind the scenes shot shots are so interesting when you compare it to the actual underwater footage that appears in the film because it's just not I mean literally night and day um and then yeah so I had to and then we we did film at the icebox in Philadelphia because it's a huge open space and we were just really, really careful and all came with negative tests in hands and um, filmed at a distance. So, you know, we modified as much as we could and made a lot more of the film uh, outdoors. That's great. So you really had to be innovative in your mode of production as well as in the actual work of creating gorgeous images and sounds to, to tell this story. Well, listen, Jean Lawrence, I love this film and I hope you will be venturing into more filmmaking in the future. Um, as I've read a bit about your ancestor, um, Lafcadio Kern, I it Hearn rather, it occurs to me that there there are about 20 different stories you could tell about him, right? He was born in Greece, 
moved to Dublin, abandoned, and then moved to the U.S. and eventually found his way to Japan, where he apparently married a Japanese woman and had four children. Do I have all of this right? Yep, that's correct. Yes. I mean, what a life. What a story. Can we expect from you a, a kind of biopic about your your relative someday? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, I'm all for it. We hope you will make that film and um, submit it to the Wisconsin Film Festival. Deal. <laughs> okay, best of luck in your work, Jean. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much.